All right, what's up, everybody? Coach Taylor and Coach Fowles here back with Diamond Talk with our new episode of Diamond Talk. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody and welcome back. Uh, tonight, Coach McDermott of Mount Olive High School is joining us, uh, and we're about to get into some really great topics. So sit back and uh, and let's get right into this. Coaches, how are we doing today? Good. How are you? Happy New Year. Excellent. Happy New Year. All right, awesome. So the first topic of conversation for tonight um, is the high school sports, the pushback, um, and how it's affecting – uh, you as coaches and how you feel it's affecting your players. Uh, so the first topic, like I said, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, coaches, uh, you know, they're going to give us a look into their into respective high school programs and, and how this is not only affecting their methods of coaching, uh, but how it influences their players. And whether they're a hardcore baseball player or the guy who just signs up, who's got some skills, or the kid who's just on the fence, uh, the guy that's just like on the fence and it doesn't really know if they want to play this year because of whatever's going on uh, or if they're even still interested after this long layover of no baseball, no sports. Um, so coach Fowles, I want to, I want to start with you on this one and just find out how you think this is going to affect your numbers in general. And, you know, are you seeing um, higher than normal enrollment? Are you seeing your numbers go back down? Uh, you know, how do you see this affecting you from a preparation standpoint? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think it's affecting our numbers in in any way. To be honest, uh, I, I, our num. I don't have great numbers. You know, frankly, our, our program usually is built around thirty to forty kids in the, in the high school, um, and those numbers have not been affected. I I don't believe in any particular way. Um, as I've reached out to kids, incoming freshmen, who I know of, and we've kind of disseminate information, our numbers seem to still be the same. Um, I you know. The, the greatest issue I find is the, is the workouts and stuff that we try to do throughout the school year to get our kids ready. Um, we lost out on a summer of that with uh, a combination of things, obviously the pandemic pushing start dates back to some summer activities, uh, a lot of other things that got in the way with um, coaching contracts and what have you. And, um, you know, weight rooms not open in our high school, so we're not able to do any activities there. Um, and as a, as a high school coach, your, your greatest concern is always um, in trying to do those activities with your kids. You know, I, do you have an, ins- an insurance policy? Are you, are you covered? And you need to have a contract that you've signed in order for that to happen. And what's, what's going on with a lot of districts is, is the, the Board of Eds are kind of holding out a little bit. Uh, they're waiting to see if the seasons will even happen. Uh, they're not issuing contracts too soon. They're trying to keep it limited to what kids can do and how many kids can organize and and rightfully so in in so many respects. So for me to organize, it's been interesting. Like I tried to get a workout together and I had probably half our program do a workout. And then the next thing I know a day later, um, we were out of school and back to virtual and I couldn't do it. And at that point, my, my, uh, you know, I was advised by my administration to stop doing things like that because of the insurance aspect. So I'm still in kind of a wait and see bit with what I can do with my kids. Uh, I'm actually in the process of putting videos together that I'm going to be sending home to their parents as far as fitness workouts are concerned and then put it in the parents' hands uh, because that wipes my, I hate to say it, but that wipes my liability. If mom and dad push them to do it, then I'm, I'm good kind of thing. And I just, and I just try to have dialogue as much as I can to encourage kids to get in the weight room, do the things they need to do. And, 
and by the way, we're in, we're in an age where the majority of our kids have club programs that they're, they're doing stuff with. So they're finding their way to get their baseball piece in. My, my issue is, are they doing the strength and conditioning stuff that they need to do uh, to, be, to have their bodies in physical shape and to improve their explosiveness? Gotcha. So, yeah, you're, you're, it sounds like you are definitely a lot more focused on that, bit, you know, just because of your background with doing the workouts throughout the course of the winter leading up to the tryouts and, and even prior to all that. So, you know, that, that is a, a, that is a part of it that I think at times does get overlooked more specifically by the younger kids, like the freshmen and the sophomores who probably don't take their fitness level too seriously right. yet because they are still fairly young. So coach McDermott, you know, a little bit of a different look into this, you know, how do you feel this is going to affect some of the dual sport athletes, you know, what does that mean for the program uh, at Mount Olive? Well, we, I have two of my better players who were dual sports. And unfortunately, both of them are going to overlap into the baseball season this year. I got one boy who's an excellent wrestler and Mount Olive wrestling program has been very, very good the last few years. And they're supposed to be very good the next few years. So I won't see him until April 27th. The wrestling season is going to end on the 26th, and they'll be wrestling till April 27th. So now I've got to turn around and try to get his arm in shape because he pitches. You know, he plays in the field as well, and, you know, he swings the bat as well. So I'm not too concerned about in the field and swinging the bat, but to get his arm ready, he's already going to be, you know, two and a half, three weeks behind everybody else almost a month to try to catch up. And my other boy swims. So, and then that's that new season in the middle there, what's it, season three or whatever they want to call it. So, we got to, you know, work around that as well. You know, but swimming, I know, hey, upper body, they're in great shape. Cardio, they're in great shape. But still, a matter, you're not throwing breaking balls swimming in a pool. You're not working on your feet when you're doing the, you know, when you're doing the freestyle. So, you, you got to work around some of that stuff. But everybody's in the same boat this year. So, I think we're all kind of sifting through the weeds together. And sometimes we hit a little patch of grass where we can accelerate a little bit and get ahead. But knowing that, you know what, that next little log we got to go over in the woods, it could be a landmine there. So you, you got to take it a little bit at a time. But, you know, we're going to do what we can. And like Coach was saying, trying to get these winter workouts in and weight room stuff and, you know, nine kids, one coach. You know, how's that going to work? You know, at our high school, you know, weight room is really big in all sports. And plus, you have the non-athletes that get time in the weight room. So when are you going to be able to get in the weight room? Like, I was talking to people today, actually, to the, the football coach, one of the assistant baseball coaches who does the weight room in the winter, uh, the AD. Uh, we have a girl, uh, a young lady who does uh, baseball-specific training for us. You know, trying to get in, and we're looking at, hey, you know what? I might, I might meet the kids at 9 o'clock at night. Nine kids and me, or nine, nine kids with her in the weight room. I'll be waiting out in the hallway, and then 25 after the hour, nine new kids will come, and they'll stretch in the hall. The first group leaves. This group goes in. You know, we clean everything up. When we're done, we clean everything up, and we lock the, lock the door and leave at the end of the day. So, you know, we're, we're all going to try to do the same thing and figure it out as we go. Is it fair to say that you guys are not as worried about the baseball skills piece of all of this right now? I mean, that's what it sounds like, Coach Fowles. You made a great point that, you know, at least most of your more serious players have club programs that they're going to fall back into. So, you know, the club programs 
I mean, I know that for in the zone in particular, we actually do focus on the strength and conditioning and the speed and agility part of that, whether that's a specific workout itself or if we integrate it into um, whether it's uh, you know using medicine balls in our hitting workouts or um, you know very specific arm strengthening in our pitching workouts. Um, it sounds like you guys are, are more concerned about the fitness end of of the game uh, and the preparation in this off season than it is uh, for you guys from a actual baseball standpoint, you know, just a quick, would that be fair to say to, for both of you? Yeah, I think, I, I think so. I, I, I listen, our, our kids are getting their baseball stuff in and, and the state, the NJSIA did a really good thing that hopefully they, they will carry over in, in future seasons, future years with us is they, they've allowed the pitching and catching piece to, to start earlier. Um, than the actual the actual date that our, our kids our full team will meet, uh, and it's definitely something that needs to be thought through um, so that we can take, particularly our kids that aren't um, with club programs and might, you know, get on that bump for us a little bit. We need to have some time to get those arms ready for our season, and when you provide us with a later start and only a couple week lead in, that's not enough time. So they, they were smart enough to think about that piece. Um, I don't know, I don't know who got the word to them. I don't know how, you know, I mean, I know a lot of us were talking about it on social media and I don't know if they were paying attention, but to allow our pitchers and catchers to come in a little earlier um, is, is important uh, and is beneficial, is necessary. Um, they, they need to think about this every year, honestly. Um, so I think, you know, that's usually our greatest concern. And then the team, the team stuff, you know, you're building in your, your, your bunt defenses, your first thirds, um, all your team stuff. I think, um, you know, we're all, as Jim said before, we're all on the same, we're all in the same boat. So we're all battling the same things, you know, the wrestlers, the swimmers, the, the crossover things there, um, which are always going to be an issue. Uh, I mean, honestly, when we started at the beginning of March, sometimes we, we used to have some wrestlers that were wrestling in Indies, the individual states in Atlantic City at the time, and, and they missed the first couple of days or the first week or so of practice. We've always had a little bit of that, more so, but a later start also helps us with weather. You know, that, I mean, so we, you know, what I'm waiting to find out is, you know, there's limitations on the, that winter season about number of people in a gymnasium. I'm waiting to see if we're going to have the similar restrictions on us. And if we can't get on a field, right, that becomes an issue. If we can't get outside on a field, now how am I running a practice? I have my cages set up. I got all that. How am I running that? So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, what about you, Jim? Um, I feel the same way that, that Coach Fallis is, is doing it. But from the standpoint of trying to get your kids ready, it's difficult. It really is. And plus – I still believe I, I think one of the most important pro is your is to get your freshmen acclimated to high school baseball. So last year's freshmen did not get acclimated at all. So now they're going to be sophomores, and you might be expecting them to help you out, having never seen a high school pitch or understand the speed of the game at that level. So now we're trying to double back and catch up. So and I and I, th I think that's what, another part that's missed greatly that these kids from a maturity standpoint, from a baseball maturity standpoint, that you're trying to basically leapfrog a year that wasn't there. You know, we were going to be very, very – we're going to be senior-dominated this year, but 
most of those seniors never played last year as juniors when you usually have that, hey, your junior year, you get your feet wet, your senior year, well, let's go. So there's still going to be question marks. You're going to have a kid who you would say, hey, he could be a, this is going to be a second year starting. But unfortunately, last year, he played two games in the last dance tournament. And that, you know, we didn't even coach that for the most part. You watched him play two games and you hope that he builds off of that. You know, and like Coach was saying, with the pitchers and catchers, I, I, I was fortunate enough to talk to a few people, and I, I kind of knew that some of the people that got behind this pushing it, and be honest with you, we were pushing for more. Because, you know, yes, the later start is really super beneficial. You know, the state, the NJSAA came out years ago, and they're so concerned about pitchers' arms, and they're going to put a pitch count in. But yet, you're going to allow a kid opening day on April 1st when it's 35 degrees and the wind chill coming and it might be sleeting or snowing in the middle of the fifth inning. You're going to allow that kid to throw 95 pitches or 100 pitches because he is, right? And there's some coaches that are going to go out there and just throw the kid out there because this is my horse having never thrown anything. And even now, you know, we start April 1st. We open up April 19th. That's yeah. most, most scenarios – that might be what, Coach? Five, six maybe bullpen sessions yeah. before the season starts, and you're going to expect the kid yeah. to come out there and be on top of his game? No, but we also know that, you know, uh, Taylor Bogiani, 60 pitches for him is different than 60 pitches for Coach Falzerano. Yeah. And as a coach, we know that. But you can't put a blanket number on stuff. If you want to progress up, I actually think that if they could have given – March 15th as the opening for pitchers and catchers, and then everybody else April 1st, you know. So they're going to give us seven extra days. I know we, I know we, we can talk about this forever, but, you know, with that March 1 date, uh, is that April one. specific? Uh, no, but March 1 virtual. Is that right? We can start March 1 virtual. So yeah, right. Specific, maybe we can run our bullpens. You know, I, I'm just yeah. you know, I'm throwing something out there, something for us to think about as coaches, right? We we got to find ways to get these guys ready, and maybe that March one is part of that pitching acclimation. Right, right. That's that's you know I'm happy to hear that it's a thing that is in place this year. Uh, if, if my opinion is, if Major League Baseball is doing it, you know they send their pitchers and catchers in early. You know why shouldn't why shouldn't the high school program or a college program be able to do that? Um, the only that's going to lead me to our, our first plug of the night. So 360 Pitching is in the zone's brand-new pitching program. Uh, it is a complete pitching and development program. Under the direction of Seton Hall pitching coaches Pat Pinkman, the program is designed to combine high-level on-field experience with an in-person instruction, mental training, leading technology, strength and conditioning, player engagement, and a proprietary online portal, and biometric analysis to offer a complete program that is designed to optimize a player development, uh, player's development. The, uh, the typical pitching lesson that lasts 30, 45, or 60 minutes usually includes stretching, talking, throwing, possibly some video or use of technology. You know, and, and when done, most players you know, will wait seven days until their next lesson. Sometimes uh, there is a follow-up, some homework assigned, some players uh, you know, may be working with some strength coaches in between sessions, but some lessons may take it upon themselves to fill in the gaps between the lessons. And that approach is not connected to what it takes to completely develop a pitcher, no matter the age. Uh, developing a pitcher in the new era should be a well-thought-out process that is comprehensive, customized, and complete. 
a process that covers all the bases, and that is In the Zone's brand new 360 pitching program developed and led by Coach Pat Pinkman of Seton Hall University. Uh, that's great. You know, like, like Coach Fowl said, well, you guys could talk. We could talk about that all day and night. Um, but I do want to move into our, our next uh, topic and our final topic for the evening. Uh, you know, we're gonna, I want to jump into some baseball IQ stuff here. So, you know, I know that we've all been listening and watching and finding new videos and new programs to kind of, you know, follow up with and go through and, and learn and pick up as much information as possible uh, over the last couple months. So my question to you guys, you know, what is the biggest or the most important for you guys, the nugget that you've picked up through quarantine and through just this little bit of layover um, that you guys are able to implement into your programs moving forward. And Coach McDermott, I want to start with you uh, on that one. Well, a couple things. Actually, Coach Felser and I, when I were talking about this before, I found an old Gary Ward hitting video. Now, Gary Ward might be before your time, Taylor. He was a great coach at Oklahoma State with Pete Inclevelia, uh, Robin Ventura, and it, it was amazing to watch a lot of the stuff that he just says it differently as to what's being utilized today. He had four-by-fours, and he made them up for righty and lefty batters, a box that he put in the batter's box, and that's where you had to stay stacked. You had to stay in there, right? And he made it narrow where you couldn't open yourself up too much. He talked about hitting the ball back up the middle. It was great stuff. And, I mean, I hadn't watched these videos in 25 years, but the stuff is so spot on for what you're talking about today. And it's – and he goes, power hitters, if you could hit the ball 410 feet off the batter's eye in center field, you have launch angle. If you can't, can't don't worry about launch angle. Okay? And, and, and he was just like, you can't do it. You've got to drive the ball. Hit line drives. Hit the ball to the back of the batting cage, and that's your average is going to go up just as much and yeah, work on the I don't know who that is, so I apologize, but um, – I think it was on no, the beat. That, that sounds it, – it, I'm <laughs> glad that, you know, that was a thing before it was a thing, right? And I'm happy that, you know, people talk about it in that way, meaning if you can't physically do it, you shouldn't, you know, aspire to do it, right? If I'm five foot five and I can't dunk, stop trying to dunk. It's never going to happen, right? So – well, one of, one of the other really big things, Taylor, and I know you're a catching guy, is I was talking to a few people about catching. And then, you know, like the, the big thing all around here is, you know, Gary Sanchez and the one knee and this and that. And this guy who caught the bags for a little bit runs a catching clinic now. He goes, you know what? At the pro level, the stolen base is devalued, but the strikes are valued. So it's all about framing and, and getting pitches and doing this and that. He goes, at the high school level and at the college level, hey, if you have some, if you have a team that can run, you are going to drive the other team crazy. Yeah. He says, you don't need – going down on one knee is ridiculous. You can't block the ball. You can't throw. He goes, you got these high school kids and kids younger because they see somebody on TV go to one knee. You're not going down there to get a low pitch. It's not going to make a difference. Can you throw somebody out? You know, and then the other thing that I, I just heard the other day, I'll ask you, Taylor, how many catchers are there in the big leagues? Let's say 64. Okay. How many guys throw under 2-0 to second? I'm going to say less than 50%. You're right, 30. 30%. And everybody, oh, is he under 2-0? Oh, he's 1-9. He's the big leaguers, nah. They're 2-0. That's a really good time. 
you know, and once again, they're stealing off the pitcher, but picking up some of the catching stuff that we're going to incorporate in this year about getting off that one knee stuff. I don't care what you see on TV. You know, you got to be able to throw people out. And if you can run, and Coach Fowles will tell you, you know, a couple of years, three or four years ago, we, we ran wild on the bases. I had nine athletes playing. We stole 130-some-odd bases. There was a couple of games we'd stole six, seven, eight bases, and the other teams were petrified, right? That leads to box, wild pitches, all three 90s just because you can run. And if you have a guy behind the plate, that's the first thing we would look at. Can the catcher throw? Yes. Okay. Let's reevaluate who's going to run today. So, you know, little stuff like that is, is some of the stuff that we're going to refocus on this year that we just, you know, went back and looked through through the pandemic to figure things out. Yeah, I'm a big old school guy. I'm not about, yeah. I'm not about any of that kind of, you know, hipster stuff, I'll call it. Uh, Coach Fowles, what about you? Well, I have a list of things, but I, I can't read through that list. I mean, I, I watch a lot of stuff. I, you know, I watch stuff on social media. I attend as many virtual clinics as I can find. Uh, so there's so, so much cool stuff that I saw. Um, like back in March, uh, hitting instructor Kevin Wilson, he's pr- fairly well-known, works with some of the guys in the bigs. He did a thing where he talked about just walking a ball to the hitter you know, from the mound, walking it to the hitter and having the hitter and asking the hitter this question, where do you want to make contact to hit this ball to center field? And when the kid points that spot out, you drop the ball right there to, to teach them the on time to contact point aspect. And you put a ball right at that point so that when they're taking their BP, they think about the fact that that ball is there. I thought that was a pretty cool thought. Um, and then I saw somebody else do something they called Dominican BP. Um, you know, we know Dominicans can, can hit any pitch uh, and no matter where it is. And uh, because, you know, they, they, they play in, in, the, in the dirt fields, right? They play in the streets. They, they, they hit bottle caps and do all these crazy things. So the suggestion was instead of locking yourself into, you know, hitting this pitch or hitting that pitch or only being able to have this T type of swing, force kids to swing at everything and throw them pitches everywhere. And teach them how to barrel things up just to get the barrel to the ball. Um, I think it's a great teaching point in the aspect that you, you teach kids how they can fight things off with two strikes. Now you make them more contact guys. Um, I, I think it's just, I'm going to have some fun with that in, in the aspect. I don't want you to hit strikes today. Let a strike go. I want you to read it. I want you to strike all the way into the catcher. I want you to hit balls, hit every ball that's thrown and see where you can go with it. And they, and they learn a little bit about themselves as well. They learn a little bit about, you know, their, their body. Uh, they learn a little bit about their hands. Um, and I think it's a pretty cool thought. And then uh, one more thing, the catching piece. I saw a guy do this, put two, uh, two infield screens behind pitcher's mound and created a narrow, like on an angle, and created a narrow tunnel for catchers to throw through as a target uh, for second base. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Why hadn't we thought about that before? Uh, you know, for a lane for, for throwing a second base and helping those kids and getting their bodies, knowing that that's the direction they need to go, getting their bodies in that direction and throwing through that lane. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that, that is really cool. And it's, it's different, like you said. And I like the idea of the being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. That idea of let's play, like, you know, you see the guys, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. became famous for making a one-handed catch. And then you go back and, you know, they show video of him, um, warming, doing warm-ups, and he's practicing that one-handed catch. 
Um, that's him practicing being uncomfortable, putting himself in a, in a bad situation. Uh, one of the things that, you know, for me, at least the most important thing that I picked up um, overall of this was the importance of a pre-practice meeting. So my wife is a manager of a restaurant and she holds these pre-shift meetings to talk about whether the menu or the atmosphere that day or what's going on in the kitchen or who's, you know, stuff like that. Right. So for me, the idea of having a pre-practice meeting of, okay, our main focus today is hitting off-speed pitches to the middle and right side of the field only. Okay. Today's, you know, hitting off-speed pitches to the left side of the field. Um, and, and just having everybody on board with that plan. And, and the biggest thing, especially at the college level, right? So this is, I'm comparing it more so to a college level where I'm able to sit with the kids pre-practice for about 10 or 15 minutes and show them video, show them analysis, right? I have, you know, we've worked out at a couple different places where uh, this just neutral school and I'm able to put up on the screen a video of a guy mechanic, the guy's mechanics or of an approach, uh, you know, a hitting coach at the big league level talking about this or a division one program coach talking about a certain thing. Um, just having that pre-practice, um, pre, you know, workout goal and objective, it gives the practice more meaning. And when you, I don't want to say micromanage it, but when you make it the primary focus or the, the one thing that everybody's trying to obtain, um, it makes it, 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 it it makes it more valid in my opinion. Um, so I'll get, you know, a quick, um, you know, we only have a couple minutes left, so I want to make sure that we, uh, we talk about that and, and just kind of wrap it there. You know, we've had a lot of good conversation and a lot of this stuff we can definitely talk about a lot more in depth. Um, you know, giving the circumstances with this evening and just with everything that's going on, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out. So, um, you know, moving forward, we, for you guys more specifically with the high school levels, you know, it's going to be a challenge this year for everybody. Um, but I'm happy that, you know, we have such a great core group of guys here that we can kind of talk about. And, you know, you guys are in each other's backyard. You guys might not play each other very often, if at all, but the fact that you guys are, are willing to kind of trade war stories here and kind of share your opinions and your thought processes moving forward. That, that's a really cool thing for me. And I think that, you know, kind of the mantra for 2021 has been, let's just everybody be good to each other, right? Like 2020 was such a nightmare. Like our, you know, it's really cool to see you guys interacting this way and just, you know, looking to help one another, not hurt one another or each other's programs, you know, again, not playing each other very often, but, you know, you guys are still high school coaches in New Jersey that, you know, could kind of go either way. So I want to thank you guys for your time and appreciate all your input um, on everything we've talked about this evening. This is a pleasure. Are you kidding me? I love doing this. We're talking baseball. Come on. It's January, January 4th. We're talking baseball. What else would you rather be doing? Anybody have a count on the number of days of pitchers and catchers? What's the <laughs> I, honestly, I couldn't it's funny, you should, at this point. Funny, funny you should say that, but I usually – I sent the thing out. I, I wish my kids happy holidays, all my players – and I put, and at that point, 95 days until we start practicing. Yeah, I send messages out like that all the time. Yeah, and then they hit, oh, my gosh. And then they think, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, it's only 37 days away. Oh, geez. So, you know, and what have you done today to help to get better to help you for when the season starts? I'll, I'll go on a run and I'll, put, I'll take the video of it and go, 50 days away, are you working as hard as I am? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> awesome stuff, guys. Again, thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year to both of you, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Everybody who's tuned in this evening, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will see you guys uh, next time.